Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Listen now for the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is surely the Lord's anointed is before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance. Or the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's recap. Samuel, the prophet in the story's mother, is barren. And so she prays to God that God would give her a child. She bargains with God and promises to give her child to God's service. And so once Samuel's born, she brings him to the temple to grow up. Eli is the priest and prophet at this time. In those days, there was a priestly lineage. The office of priest was passed down from father to son. But Eli's sons don't do what is right in the sight of the God. Eli and his sons lose favor with God. And so Samuel is called by God. Does this story sound familiar? Because it should. Our story today oddly parallels Samuel's own call story. 
Here we have a priest and future king who were unlikely candidates for the jobs. God's forsaking and favor shifts. Eli to Samuel. And eventually Samuel and his sons sin and find God unhappy with them too. Saul moves and is out of favor with God. And so the kingship moves from Saul to David. But we know later that David makes mistakes and towards the end of his life isn't on God's good list either. Humans fail. We mess up. And so God finds possibility in the most unlikely places, even in a backcountry town like Bethlehem. We heard last week that Israel prayed and hoped for a king. They wanted to be like other kingdoms. And so after warning Israel of the consequences, Samuel anoints Saul. King Saul is the tallest, most handsome man in all of Israel, scripture tells us. He's a looker. But Saul loses favor with God. He shows mercy to an enemy and doesn't eradicate his opponent like God commands. It's puzzling. Our God is a God of compassion. Why would the Lord punish and turn his back on a king who shows mercy? We don't know the answer, but God is not happy with Saul. And God has a new vision for a king. Vision matters in scripture, especially in this story. The first name a human gives to God is the name El Roy, the God who sees. This name is given to God by a woman named Hagar, who is pregnant and has been cast off in the desert. God sees Hagar, this slave girl who has been rejected and left in the desert to die. God comes and brings her promises and hope for her and her child. God has vision and can see things that don't seem possible for those who feel unseen. God sees clearly what is about to happen. But although Samuel is known as a prophet, priest, and seer, Samuel does not see as God sees. Here we see the human limitations of Samuel. Samuel keeps holding on to hope that God will change God's mind about King Saul. Samuel grieves. Samuel can only see the man in front of him. Saul looks the part. He's tall, dashing, and commanding. What's the problem? God tells Samuel, get over it. God needs him to anoint a new king. It's a hard command. Saul's still king. Most kings are anointed as they ascend the front throne, not years before and not when there's another king still on the throne. Samuel is obviously scared and unsure. By anointing a new king, he will be testing and usurping Saul's authority. God isn't bothered. God tells Samuel, you don't have to tell Saul what you're planning to do. Say you're sacrificing to the Lord. It's true that's what you're doing. But while you're there, you will also anoint my king. When Samuel arrives in Bethlehem, we realize the fearful blind prophet is also seen as a figure of an uncanny power. The elders come to Samuel trembling. They see Samuel differently than we have seen Samuel, as God sees Samuel. 
They prepare for a sacrifice, but then somehow a pageant for a new king begins. Samuel asks to see Jesse's sons. The oldest looks like a king. He fits the part just as Saul did. Samuel assumes his job is over. This has to be the new king. God, though, isn't looking for someone who just looks the part. God is doing something new. God says something fascinating, something important. Don't look at Eliab's appearance. Don't judge a book or a person by the cover. God does not see as human sees. God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. The heart for the Hebrews wasn't just about emotions. The heart was the center of one's being. It was the soul where intelligence, discernment, wisdom, emotional intelligence resided. God sees our gut, our soul, to the core of our very being. And God sees in there things we cannot see from the outside. God has seen and has chosen the one whom Samuel Samuel cannot see at all. This story for me is a confession of human blindness and limitations. Roger Nan, an Old Testament theologian, says, I wonder how much of our sight blinds us to God's wishes and prevents us from experiencing God's intent. If Samuel had only trusted his human vision... He wouldn't have followed God's purpose. Samuel had to listen to God's voice in the darkness of this decision. He had to trust God's voice over what his eyes told him, even when his eyes could not see another possibility. One by one, Samuel looks at each of Jesse's sons. It reminds me of a scene from The Bachelorette or Cinderella. One by one, potential candidates are rejected. None of them get the sought-after rose, I mean anointing. Jesse has seven sons. Surely one of them should have been able to wear the glass slipper. But unfortunately, their feet are too big. There don't seem to be any other options, no possibilities for a king. And here's where Samuel surprises me. He trusts that God is creating a path and a way where there is no way. Samuel sticks with God's vision over his own. He asks Jesse, are you sure you don't have another son? And sure enough, there is one, the youngest. He's keeping the sheep. He wasn't important enough to be brought in when the prophet arrived. He's been in the fields watching the flocks this whole time. The youngest is sent for and brought in. He's ruddy, has beautiful eyes, and is handsome. The narrator still can't help but look and comment on the outer beauty. This new king will be pretty. But beautiful eyes, that's not quite right in Hebrew. Beautiful eyes can also be translated as an eye for beauty. Could this child see as God sees? Could this child see see the world as God does, full of beauty and potential? God tells Samuel to anoint David. This is God's chosen. 
And so in front of his father and older brothers, David is anointed, chosen by God. This story gives hope for the underdog, for the forgotten, for the least of these. God chooses the youngest, smallest, and least of the brothers. God favors the forgotten. In a pickup game, God chooses the player who is always chosen last. We've all felt like the underdog, whether because of our age, ability, place in our family, race, nationality, or more. Growing up, I was always the youngest in my class. I started first grade when I was five, and so I was always the last one, the last one to learn how to read, the last one to get my permit to drive, the last to turn 18 and 21. When in your life have you felt last, insignificant, lost, or forgotten? God's vision makes me wonder, Who are the people that we forget? Who are the people that we leave out in our limited human vision? For it is those people, people like David, who have the heart of God. It is those people, the people with the heart of God, who the world doesn't even notice. They might not even be in this room who God is calling and we need. Look around. Who here in the church might we miss at first glance? Take a look to the people in the back pew, the people in the back of the balcony, the people sitting in the back of the choir. See them, yes, see them. See through to the heart. But also notice, who isn't here? Who are the people who cannot make it to the church, who are sick or struggling? See as God sees. Take note of the children who are in the nursery or who left for children's church. These are the people who God is calling. We might think, well, the children, the babies, the homebound, the absent, they can't possibly be fit for leadership. They're too young, too sick, too elderly, too absent. We might wonder about the qualifications of someone we do not even know or see. But God looks on the heart. God does not see as we see. God knows the potential gifts and hidden inside each one of us. Know that you, the lost, the forgotten, the broken, the ones keeping the flocks in the fields, the least... You are the ones who God calls. God provides possibilities even when we may not see them. God is the one who sees. El Roy. We are called to be the ones who listen and follow. God's guidance is never as discernible in the moment as it is in hindsight. Years later, we can understand what God was up to. But in the moment, in this moment, we can wonder if God has just left us in the dark with no way to go forward. But breathe, trust, go, follow in the dark, for God is doing something new. God brings hope and grace from the most unlikely places, out from bondage, into from slavery into freedom. From the dead bones of exile into new life. From the brokenness and limitations of people like you and me. And behold, 
Even from the stump of Jesse, God brings forth a king. Have hope. Amen.